Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. We're very happy to have uh, Julie Buxbaum here. Um, I know she's so prolific as a writer. I just assumed that she'd been at Skylight before, and she let me know that this is her very first time at the store, which was really shocking to me. So let's make sure we give her a, a wonderful Skylight welcome. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, Julie? Oh, please come on, come on down. I, want, I, want to, I just want to say, I'm going to say, this is, so this is Julie, if you don't know, she is the, the author of the YA novel, novel What to Say Next, as well as the New York Times bestseller Tell Me Three Things, her debut young adult novel. And join her, joining her will be Kayla Kagan, a novelist and playwright. She received her BFA in theater from Stephen F. Austin State University. She lives here with her husband and dog in Los Angeles. Please welcome Julie and Kayla. Hi, everyone. Hi, standing room only at Skylight Books. Wow. Um, you all look beautiful, just like last night when you were all at the Met Gala. You looked wonderful. I like your outfits. Um, so we're super excited to be here with Julie, or at least I am. I assume most of you here are super fans of her previous work and or just her, because she's awesome. Um, and if you're not yet, you by the time you leave here, you'll own everything that she writes, um, which is a lot. So, we're here to celebrate her new book, Hope and Other Punchlines. I read it. Um, I have so many feelings about the book, and they're all positive. I love them. Um, <laughs> there was, a, there was a moment of panic, yeah, I think. I, you know, I love dropping like a one star on Goodreads. No, I love it. I love it so much. Um, but before I start getting into my questions, because they are many, um, I'd love to hear you, for everyone else, give a summary of the book. Sure. But before I do that, I just want to thank everybody so much for coming um, I always get so, so nervous about the hometown launch. It's like my biggest, scariest thing. Um, and I think it might be because like when you're a debut, everyone's super excited. This is my fifth book. And so I feel like when I send out the invite, everyone's like, oh, not again. Like I'm selling <laughs> Tupperware and I'm inviting you to my Tupperware party again. So thank you. Thank you. And to see all your friends, like, thank you. Um, what was the question? Oh, describe the book. Yeah, okay. that's it. That's all <laughs> you have to do. <laughs> We're starting easy, and I already got off track. Okay. Uh, Hope and Other Punchlines is the story of Abby Hope Goldstein, who is famous for being in an iconic photograph on her first birthday on 9-11. She is being rescued um, from the World Trade Center. She's in her daycare center, and she is wearing a birthday hat and carrying a birthday balloon, um, and this photo goes viral. Um, and she is famous for the entirety of her high school, or through her childhood, through high school, um, for being in this photograph. She's known as Baby Hope. Um, as she starts to feel the legacy of that day catching up with her, she decides she wants one last summer of anonymity. And so she goes to work at a day camp called Knight's Day Camp, um, two towns away. Um, and she's hoping she, no one notices her or knows she's Baby Hope. But of course, on her first day, she meets a boy named Noah, who immediately recognizes her. And he convinces her, and when I say convinces, I really mean blackmails her, into going on a journey where the two of them interview all the remaining survivors in that photo. Um, and he has his own reasons for doing so. And the book is the story of the legacies of loss, about lifelong friendship, um, about what happens when the world splits into a before and after, um, and what happens when we start asking questions when we're not sure we're ready for the answers. That's it. That's all it is. I mean, it's so good. It's so big, y'all. Um, sorry, I'm going to put the phone down. So I want to get into, we're in 2019, 9-11, 18 years ago. When did you start getting this idea that either this was going to be a subplot or something you really wanted to focus on? So I think I started writing the book probably about three years ago. Maybe, maybe four. But if you had told me five years ago that I would even dare touch 9-11, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, it felt like something that was way too big, too loaded, too hard, just too wrong um, for me to even address. Um, 
And then one day I was on Twitter, as one is when they're a writer and want to waste time. Um, <laughs> and I saw a tweet from a teenager who basically um, was complaining about having to learn about 9-11 every year on the anniversary. Um, and it's, this is from a teenager I generally admire. I actually love her feed. And when I saw it, I burst into tears. Um, because it occurred to me that most of my readers um, are people who were either born, were either babies during 9/11 or hadn't been born yet, um, and they didn't get it. And how could they? They weren't they weren't there, right? Right. Um, they didn't see the world split. Yeah. Um, and it felt suddenly really necessary to find a way to tell this story that was digestible um, for the next generation in a way that they can metabolize, which is why I said it 15 years later. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, and it made sense to me that, I mean, you've been writing Young Adult and you're going into the story with that lens, but you also, there are quite a few um, adult characters in this book that are really well-defined and, and beautiful and, and have either directly experienced 9-11 by being a survivor or uh, kind of more further out in the circle. And I was wondering, did you ever kind of go back and forth of like, is this an adult book or is this a young adult book? Is this like, because I think you write so gracefully between the two and so beautifully, it really does feel like a crossover book. Like, oh, I'm an older reader who went through 9-11. I loved it for what you gave me. But for the younger people, like you, you knew that was the place to go? I always knew it was gonna be a YA, but I used to write adult books, which I feel like lots of people don't know. But before Tell Me Three Things, I had two adult books, one called The Opposite of Love and one called After You. And so I do have a crossover readership. Um, and the truth of the matter is when I started writing YA, I didn't write my books any differently than I wrote my adult stuff. It's the same, I was about to use the S word, but my kids are in the front <laughs> row. It's the stuff. same stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a great S word. It is the same stuff. Um, I use fewer S words in it. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably the only difference, and it's about teenagers. But you know, teenagers have full, rich lives, mm -hmm. and I also think teenage readers are super, super sophisticated, and so it never made sense to me to write down to them in any way. Right, right. Um, especially with something that heavy, because most teenagers, whether it's 9/11 or something else, probably know about loss or grief if they haven't experienced it yet. They might have seen it, or might have not experienced it directly, they might have seen it online or in a news story or something like that. Um, I, so, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just, in some ways, I think it's almost harder sometimes to write YA versus adult, only because mm -hmm. I think we underestimate the complexity of teen feelings. And when you're rendering them on the page, you want to make sure you show that complexity and not make them two-dimensional right. um, in a way that we don't expect that multi-dimensional thing from teenagers, which is unfortunate. I don't know why we... I mean, anything with girls and teenagers, but for some reason we devalue, which is a whole other discussion that we're not going to yeah. have here tonight. Which I am, oh, that makes me want to jump to another question, but I'll wait for that okay. one. Okay, so, uh, well, and I, I think there is something with the teenage uh, feelings of like, we, we always say like, well, teenagers get to feel it on all levels right away where adults might tactfully try to cipher through what they're feeling and, and have complex emotions and then the novel's 800 pages long. But um, I think you, you really find a level of doing that super well with both Abby and Noah. Noah, um, I'm gonna jump into one of your characters for a minute. He, you know, he's a young guy and he's a comedian and he's super funny and he's super great on one level. And then you just keep digging in and digging in and digging in. And we find out that um, just like all of us have maybe coping tools to get through things, you've given this to Noah. Was comedy something, when you started writing him, did you kind of go into it going, this kid wants to be a comedian? Or this kid, did you know that was his passion? To help? Yes. I yeah. mean, I knew from page one. There's a couple of reasons. One is, in my last novel, What to Say Next, the main character um, was fascinated with quantum physics. Um, which meant I had to do a lot of research into quantum physics. <laughs> <laughs> and this time I was like, screw that. <laughs> I am going to do something fun and something I'm interested in. And I'm interested in comedy. I'm a little bit of a comedy nerd. Yeah. Um, so that, that was one of the reasons. But also this book, because I was going to you know, touch on 9-11, um, I wanted, it's going to sound weird, but I really, one of the, the most challenging part of this book was finding the tone. Mm -hmm. um, because I, wanted, I really wanted to write a funny book. Um, and Noah gave me that way through. And he uses mm -hmm. comedy not only to mask his pain, but to sort of muddle his way through. And that's my way. I mean, mm -hmm. I am at my funniest when I'm at my lowest. 
Aren't we all? Yeah. I think that's LA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also love, I'm going to ask the question that I get um, super annoyed with when I see male authors ask, like, how did you know how to write women? How did you know how to write <laughs> girls? So I want to ask you, Noah has a best friend named Jack. I love their friendship. They remind me of a lot of men and their friends that I know. Um, did you have fun writing Noah and Jack? Because oh, I did so find fun. levity and, like, joy when they would bounce around. And, and Jack would call him out on stuff and keep him honest. Um Yes, I love the two of them. Um, I thought it was really important to show true male friendship. I feel like mm, we see a yeah. lot of female friendship in books. Um, are we boring you, Lukey? He's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> cookie time. <laughs> um, anyhow, sorry, I totally got distracted, little man. Um, yeah, I feel like we don't see boy friendship so much. Uh, I wanted to show two boys who truly, truly love each other. One's stray and one is gay, gay and it doesn't matter. Um, and they are lifelong partners in their own way. Yeah. And they're goofy and funny, and they were just a joy. They're super joyful, and uh, just with the 2019 lens, there's nothing, like, toxic about their friendship, Mm -hmm. and they don't, um, they don't, aim low you know they they really support each other and the other friends who come into their lives and potential mates and things like that which I won't give away who. they're also huge dorks and they're huge the be- weirdos, best dorks which is really fun yeah um also was that video game based on a real game because I'm not a gamer I don't know you know it's so funny I know nothing about video games okay. and I actually had to watch like YouTube videos about what video games look like now mm-hmm. because I don't I didn't know and I had to watch these videos there are these videos of people playing video games oh yeah filming themselves playing video games it's really Really yeah. meta and really bizarre. Yeah. And millions of people watch them. And um, now you. You watch and them. And now I watch them. It was really bo- – that, that I, we didn't go too far into video games because I found it really boring. I was kind of happy you didn't for me, but I was like, well, maybe it's something I can relate to with Atari. Like, I was yeah. like tra- – or Nintendo, but I was like, I don't know what the game is. Yeah. But the game really worked. Um, so talking about teenagers, talking about 9-11, did you, you grew up in the New Jersey and New York area, mm-hmm. yeah? And – were you there during 9-11 or were no, you No, I, I was in Boston. Boston. Um, I was in law school at the time and my husband had just graduated mm-hmm. and was about to start a job in New York. Okay. And he was in London at the time just before moving and he called me to tell me what had happened. He woke me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a big debate after for the, like, the following couple of weeks about whether he should go um, and take the job and he did. And we've just recently discussed about how he was working downtown immediately after 9-11 and we don't talk enough about the polluted air. No, which is a part of the book that we, I, I don't want to give away a whole lot, but there, there is an addressing of a subject that I also think is important for young people to know about because I think a lot of people think it was just emotional scars or it was just people who are sad that day because they saw something awful. Or uh, geopolitical scars. Or geo, yeah, and um, so Julie does write and include in the book about people who are dealing with real physical results that change their lives or in their lives because of 9-11 years after it's happened. Um, and it's, it's woven beautifully in there. You kind of, I, I was taken by surprise a couple of times, although maybe I just ruined the surprise for you. Um, I, didn't say I, who. I just want to add one thing that, I mean, there was an intentionality there. There's Republicans in Congress who are trying to block refunding yeah. Medical, oh, yeah, the whole thing. Medical programs for, mm-hmm. pe- for survivors, um, and they literally are voting against it. And so I, I felt it was super important to sort of introduce this issue that still is, exists um, to the next generation. And insurance companies are denying yes, coverage exactly. for former firefighters and police officers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's, it's bad really news. bad. And I think the number of people who have died since from uh, 9-11-related illnesses is about the same number of people who died on the day now. Mm-hmm. We're it's just about there if we're not there yet. Just real cheerful. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, no, no, it's okay. We're going to jump to summer camp. Go, okay, let's go. Let's <laughs> Who wants to go? September 11th was September, and now we're into summer camp. So uh, a big chunk of this book does happen at a summer camp, and it's a really fun with, like, hot lifeguards and things like that. Um, and it is called the, if I'm I totally wrong. I forgot about the hot lifeguards. I didn't. What do you think? I was like, oh, I have to go to the bed and read now. I mean, like, it, it's really fun um, and, and kind of you know, hot lifeguard books. They're good. Um, did you, um, did, so did, I think the camp is the, the happiest place in New Jersey or the happiest place in the world? I is think it? she's looking for the happiest place in New Jersey. The happiest place in New Jersey, which also right there should be a bumper <laughs> sticker, just like without explanation. Um, so did you go to a camp like that or? Yes. So I went to Night Stay Camp. My grandfather owned a camp from 1950 to 1986 called Night Stay Camp, and it was in New Jersey. 
Um, and it was the happiest place in New Jersey. And I really, really mm -hmm. wanted to sort of resurrect it. There's a character named Uncle Maurice. My grandfather went mm -hmm. by Uncle Maurice to, this, to the kids at camp, which in retrospect is a little creepy. Um, <laughs> and he had this awesome like 70s stash. So and good. so I gave Uncle Maurice that 70s stash just sort of like to tip my hat towards him. And then I had ha mm -hmm. promo hats made, which I will give away one later um, for Night's Day Camp because it made me, it made me I, I miss it. It was a really wonderful place, like mm -hmm. a magical place. Um, and it's no longer there. Like it's we, no longer there. They sold it, and it's you know been developed into houses or something really not fun. Got it. Were you a camp counselor there as well, or just no? They sold the it before I was old enough to be a camp counselor. Okay. But I went there. I think into to 1980s. We're not going to do the math on how old. Yeah, I am. yeah, sure. No, we're just going <laughs> to. It's gone. Just, That's what matters. Yeah, <laughs> um, for sure. We're not going there. Um, what I did want to ask you about more also like New Jersey in your family, uh, there's a wonderful character uh, in your book, that Abby's grandmother, and we love a good grandmother in this fam. We like love the joy that she brings. Can you talk, like, did your grandmother influence? I know that she's dedica uh, you dedicated the book to her as well. So, so the grandma character is not in any way based on my grandmother, but the existence of an important grandmother is. Mm -hmm. So my grandma was super, super important to me. I loved her dearly. She was a huge part of my life growing up. Um, she did start to have dementia towards the end, and I have had grandpa dementia grandparents in a few books now, which I'm Maybe just noticing theme. right now, <laughs> which clearly I should make a note and talk to a therapist about. Um, and I think one of the reasons why I do that, especially with this book, this book is a lot about memory and the legacies of memory and what we leave behind and what happens when our own memory deteriorates. I mean, Abby is a symbol of 9-11, she is a memory for people. She is a, this touchstone which allows people to remember what happened. Um, and so I wanted to give her this grandmother who is, has her own, so her grandmother has Alzheimer's and is, is losing her memory. Um, and I wanted to sort of give that contrast and that relationship. And also I just wanted a great, really fun grandma. And she's yeah, awesome. She's such a fun grandma. We should all have a grandma like that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things when you talk about memory, it, it, uh, and one of the things that's not only throughout your book, but you've even mentioned it, the before and afters of events. And you have this great line that I, I had to write down because I knew I would slaughter it if I didn't. Uh, I know, oh, let's see, I know better than anyone that you can't draw a straight line from the who you once were to the who you are now. And I read that and I had to put the book down because I was jealous because it was such a good line. And then I, I thought writing this book had to have a before and after for you. And I wanted to know, you know, as you, as you were writing it, you might've been going through stuff or you might've been exhausted by it, I don't know. But before you went into this, what were you thinking? And after, how, what did you learn? What did you discover? That's a really good question. Uh, this was by far the hardest book I've ever written. And even as we're talking about it now, I'm understanding why it's so hard because on one hand, I'm like, summer camp, 9-11. Like, it just doesn't seem to work together. <laughs> but it does. And I recognize yeah. it, but it does, hopefully. Yeah, um, it does. There was two things that made it really hard. One was I'm writing to two totally different audiences. I'm writing to adults who lived through this, and I wanted to honor that. And I'm writing to kids who know nothing about this. And to have the pitch work to both ears was really, really difficult. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing, and I don't even know if I'm answering your question or no, just you answering are. the question uh, I want to be asked. Yes, I don't know. I, that could be happening right no, now. No, you're doing it. Um, you're there. <laughs> the, the second part, um, I totally forgot my thought. What are we That's talking good. about? Well, we were talking about before, which you just did, so kind of like in the after. Oh, the second, why yeah. it was hard, yes. Yeah. So tonally combined, I really wanted to make people laugh. Um, one of Noah's goals in life is to find the perfect 9-11 joke. Um, and the reason why he wants that is he wants to defang the experience for himself. He feels like if he could find the joke, he'll be able to actually look at it face on. Mm -hmm. um, and so to, to strike that summer camp 9-11 balance, which when I talk about it sounds bizarre, was the true That's challenge funny. of this book. Um, and so to answer, I think your question was, what did I learn from it? Mm -hmm. I learned don't do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it. it's really hard. Um, <laughs> no, I learned that you, if you keep going, you'll get there. So I spent a year on this book thinking it was done and then realized it was not done and then spent an additional year working my ass off, butt off. Um, <laughs> Your stuff off. <laughs> working my stuff off um, to, to get it right. And I, I feel like I finally landed there. 
Um, and I feel like it, I'm a better really writer is. for it. But it's also a really scary book to put out in the world. I mean, all books are scary to put out in the world, but this one feels particularly scary. But I feel like I say that every single time, so who knows? Talk to us on, in your next five books. You'll yeah. say the yes, same thing. Exactly, I which um, I should also talk to a therapist about. That's <laughs> um, a good therapist, I think. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you um, before I get there, uh, or one of the things you also addressed with the before and after um, you do it in a really delicate way because not everything is about, like, before there were buildings, now there are not. Um, you do these in very nuanced friendships and relationships and about um, people who stay together and who don't and friends who leave and who don't and who pulls closer and who pulls apart. And I was wondering if you can kind of address and talk on, like, how you found that fine line of, like, why would somebody lose their friend over something, like, a tragedy? Like, why would a friend pull away or why would they go towards it? Because um, I think, like, Noah and Jack, as opposed to Abby and um, Kat, are just totally different examples mm -hmm. of how people react. So Abby in the book has a best friend who she's sort of fallen um, away from. And something that was super important to me is that the book would work even if you took out 9-11. Mm -hmm. I wanted it not to necessarily, I mean, it's specific to 9-11, but I also wanted this whole other YA novel within a YA novel mm -hmm. where... This, she's a teenager going through normal life. You know, teenagers face grief and loss all the time that maybe isn't 9-11 shaped, but it's still grief and loss. And so I wanted to tell that story in isolation. Not in isolation, but that could stand in isolation if it needed to. Um, and I, we, I think often in high school, we lose our friends. Sometimes we make really close friends who move us through a period of time, and then we grow apart. Abby and Kat have totally different interests when they get to high school, and they go their separate ways. And there's not even something they can point to to say, hey, this is why things fell apart, which was actually really tricky to write because I feel like you want a reader to feel satisfied mm -hmm. and understand that and, and how to articulate that sometimes we just grow in different directions was, was tricky material. For a moment, I had a thing, like a big falling out. <laughs> I just didn't feel natural or real. I feel like an editor would give you that note of being like, you need to like make sure they had a fist well, fight or exactly, whatever. And you're like, exactly, no, they no. didn't have a fist fight. They just, they just don't hang out anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I, I love there. that. Oh, it's total hurt because you, it's almost like you see that person and, and you want to be drawn to them again and maybe something stops you or I, I just felt it so much with Abby had the push and pull of like, they had this friendship. It was before it's gone or it's dissolved. Um, and it, it's really nice, and it's so it's almost sneaky how smooth it is, and I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I gave Abby sort of the feeling that she wishes there were something that she yeah. could point to to be like, this is why we hate each other now, and there right. isn't. There's not. Um, yeah. But it was also practical because I wanted her to move to, towards this new French friend group, and so she needed to grow and find new friends, and that was part of the reason why she doesn't have Kat anymore. Yeah. That was just and 100 it's a good like I mean, you know, it's dirty a plot. Yeah, no, it's, it works, though. Um, so in case there are any writers out here uh, who are maybe working through an emotionally tough book right now that they're writing, or something you're creating, it doesn't have to be writing, although that's what we're talking about, um, do you have any suggestions or advice when you're, like, you're, you're dealing with maybe a bigger emotional impact than you're ready to address, or, like, how to get through it, or besides just keep writing, which might be it? Yeah, I mean, there was a time probably, I mean, gazillion drafts in and maybe a year into the book where at one point I thought it was over and that I was going to have to throw it away, which I've done before to mm -hmm. whole novels. Um, and I was devastated because I saw what it could be. And you know when you, you know this feeling of like in your, you have the vision in your mind of what the novel oh, can yeah. be, <laughs> but it's not that. Yeah. And you don't know how to get it from here to there. Mm -hmm. and, and you have no idea how to cross that bridge. Um, in my case, I knew it was broken and I just didn't know why or how. And my editor agreed it was broken, but she didn't know how to fix it. And I gave it to a fresh reader. I gave it to my agent who was a genius and she read it and she was like, oh, I think the problem might be this. And it wasn't even a huge plot problem. It was a perspective problem. Okay. It was like a, a slight voice issue. Mm -hmm where it was a little too wah, wah, and it needed to be a little bit more <laughs> uplifting. Wah, wah. Um, yeah. Yeah. wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> uh -huh. wah, wah. <laughs> I feel like we should just make sounds at each other for the rest I'm of the here. time. I'm here all night. That's sort of where my brain is at right now. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, and, that re and that unlocked it for me. As soon as she said that, I was like, oh, I see why this is not, I see why this is not 
the joyous novel I wanted to be of my joyous novel about 9-11 that I really <laughs> Crap, I need to figure out how to talk about this book. No, it's great. You're doing great. We are your guinea pigs and your fans. Yeah, and um, your agent's it's great. a safe audience, guys. Safe yeah, audience. Yeah, safe audience here. Um, and on that, I said, like, what did you discover? What Was there a favorite part you had about writing this book? Was there a part where, like, every time you were in that part of the storyline or, or subplot, you got, like, Ooh. I mean, I love banter. Mm-hmm. And so Jack and Noah's banter was a lot of fun. Yeah. They were just Absolutely. so cute. And, and that... Those parts felt light. I mean, they deal with heavier things, but there's a lightness to it. Yeah. That was just pure joy. And yeah. also, I like the kissing. The kissing Kissing's was good. fun to write. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then... <laughs> My daughter's <laughs> like, Mommy! Her, her <laughs> eyes just, like, <laughs> narrowed together. Um, We're going to have to work through this after. Sorry, guys. Yeah. There's hugging, too, if that helps. Yes, I don't know. It, it, um, it, less kissing. Um, and on the flip side of that... That was your favorite part, but what what was the least favorite part? The extra year. <laughs> that yeah. really sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. The mom. <laughs> He's like, no, mom, that year wasn't that bad. It was just okay. Um, it's a good thing you're cute, Luca. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I mean, I think it was just really. There were moments where it was really tough. Yeah. And I mean, there's some scenes that were really tough to mm-hmm. write that, you know, I was in tears while I was writing it. I wanted to make sure I wasn't manipulative and that's always tricky whenever yeah. you're dealing with anything heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I this think book if you was a little bit of a, you know, B-I-T-C-H to write. I'm yeah. spelling it out because I have kids Stuff. Here. That's spells stuff. <laughs> stuff. Um, if you had written it closer to the time period of, of 9-11, I think it would have come off as like too an easier, heavy. And too heavy and, and easier to write in a way because it could just be like immediate hard emotions, but you actually have given yourself with all this time has taken you like a lot of grace period to kind of tell the story and gracefully get into these characters. And it is about 9-11, but it is about these characters more. And um, especially interesting to me is Abby, you know, we always want like a um, kind of assertive, ambitious protagonist who know what they're doing. And she's made the choice of, I want to go to the happiest place on earth for a summer so nobody knows who I am. But she has been defined by everyone all her life. And I think of almost like social media stars that aren't necessarily um, kind of framed by tragedy, but just out there famous because they do something. And I think about what it must be like to be in that mindset of people constantly coming up to you and saying, this is my story, and you're part of my story, but you don't know me. Can I have a hug? And it's a really strange place that you put the 16-year-old girl in, almost like they think she's like a Jesus type or, you know, something like that. And it's... It's um, such a predicament you've given her that I don't think I've seen in other YAs. And even adult fiction, it's really rare, but I think it's a newer phenomenon, and I love it. There was two really good reasons to do that. One is I felt like it would, for my young readers, it would be relatable for someone being a meme. Yeah. A modern-day living Mm -hmm. meme. Also, I just... The book is, at its heart, the story... I started with the story and the point of it. It's the mm-hmm. story of the stories we tell about our own lives and how we craft our own narrative. And Abby, her entire life, hasn't crafted her own narrative. No. And she wants to start crafting her own narrative. Noah has told himself his own story his entire life. Mm-hmm. And what happens when the story you've told yourself your entire life turns out to be wrong? Yeah. It's combustible. It's like, combustible. It's, yeah. and, and we use yeah. stories as defense mechanisms. So at the heart, this is a story about stories. Again, I need to work on my how I'm going to deliver that without using the word story twice in the same sentence, which drives me bananas. Extra, but go you got, extra. You, got, you, get, you get what I'm trying to say. Channel your inner Met Gala and just like extra, extra just story. Extra, extra, extra story. Camp. I'm just going to yeah. keep saying the word story. Um, I love it. Um, all right. So I don't want to give anything away to super fans at all. There's also a really sly, fun reference to another of Julie's books in this. And if you've read her other work, you will... You will read it and start laughing like I did. I was like started clapping actually. And I was like, now I want to do that. Like that's a really fun thing. And I, just I like wanna, Easter like, eggs. Easter eggs are fun. It's a very fun um, Easter egg. Uh, and so we're gonna get into some lighter stuff. But you give Jack uh, Noah's best friend a great crush on a boy with a very dumb bad tattoo. <laughs> and um, I wanted to know if that's based on anyone in particular and and or an ex boyfriend maybe with a bad tattoo or no. Okay. Um. <laughs> 
But you know how much I had to fight for that tattoo? My Why? editor very much, every draft would cross out the tattoo. Why? Like multiple, multiple drafts. And I was like, nope. We're, Did we're she not like in. the tattoo itself? Or was I it like I think I even story? softened it a little bit. But Harry Styles has a tattoo that's very similar to the <laughs> one in the book, um, which I thought would be fun for women everywhere. I was going to say teenagers, but yeah. women everywhere. Everyone loves yeah. Harry Styles. So. And men. Everyone. And men. Yeah, yes. yeah. And if you're fans of Harry, then you can probably guess what that tattoo is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'm going to do now is do something I've always wanted to do in an interview. You, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm a little nervous, but I'm ready. Okay. So James Lipton um, used to host this actor <laughs> studio show on Bravo. And for that this means this is for the people older than 30, but um, or 40 probably. Um, but he would do like a speed run, you know, or, or who looks 21 but 40. Um, and he had like these blue cards where he would ask questions. Oh and I had to God, use I a marker this. today. But he was You're like really so snide and just real. He was very extra, way before extra. Um, so the thing is, I wrote the questions, but they're too small, so I'm going to use my my type questions. And this is like a rapid fire uh, thing that you're going to be put on the spot. And you just have to answer as it, as it comes to your like head. I feel like this is slightly dangerous. So it's in the, my husband calls me FDB, which is full disclosure bucks bound. That's so great. So I'm, I, I'm worried that you're going to ask me something. And I'm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, and I give, there is the option of pass. Okay. In case there is something you I just, like that. Yeah. I need but to don't do in, it for all time. Can I do that in real life? Yeah. Like someone asks me a question that makes me uncomfortable, just to say pass. Yeah, I do it all the time. I'm gonna work on that. <laughs> it works. Because um, they also look at you and then just walk off. It's, oh. it's very good. Um, <laughs> all right, so pretend I'm James Lipton, although more hair um, and a little less like red in the face. I'm probably red in the face. Um, Julie. Yes. <laughs> he always did this. I'm not gonna do it, but he'll be like, oh. <laughs> Julie. I love you, Kayla. <laughs> I'm here to please. Um, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to start laughing. I have no poker face. Julie, <clears throat> what is your favorite word? So what's so funny about this is I feel like you're giving me mixed messages because before we came on stage, you told me we were Oprah and Gail. We are Oprah and Gail. And, That's and all... now we're James Lipton and, and someone Gwyneth else. Paltrow. And Gwyneth oh, Paltrow. No. Um, you're Brad P- No, let, yeah, whoever you I want. I can't do Gwyneth. It's, um, it's okay. too goofy. You are gonna, let, okay, okay, okay well, the question is my favorite word. My favorite word. Yeah, okay. favorite word. Uh, I re- my kids are going to be horrified by this, but I really like the F word. And Ooh. here is why. Here is why. It's because it is so powerful that it made you gasp. Right. It has power when you use it, and it could be, it's sort of manipulative. Sometimes I'll go to high schools and talk to teenagers, and I'll just drop an F-bomb just, just slightly, and all of a sudden they love me and they think I'm cool. Oh, yeah. um, so it's really, it's a Because you're power, speaking the truth. Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm cool and yeah. I, can, I can curse. Um, and so, especially because I'm like in a middle-aged mom thing, so it's nice to have something. It's a good cover, it. Julie. It's yeah. a good cover. We know. <laughs> it only gets you so far, but yeah. yes, I'd say the F word because it's powerful. I like powerful And the words. F word is funny, right? Oh, that's, totally. Okay, it's that's totally what I thought. Funny. So, see? It's all good. Sorry, babes. You're not allowed to use it yet. No. Um, Julie, <coughs> I won't do this on all 10. What is your least favorite word? Oh. I'm not good at no. Oh. I mean, I think it's a great word. It's also a powerful word, but I am not good at using it. And it makes me very uncomfortable to say it. And I wish I was more comfortable with it. It's sort of like I want to say pass. Yeah. Same thing. Like, I'm just, yeah. I haven't, I haven't. I, are you taking notes for my therapist? Because I feel like <laughs> this <laughs> that's is also something a podcast. Else. So, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sugar. Um, <laughs> okay. No, I'd say the word is no. Okay. No is great. Um, and Pat, you maybe work on paths. That's pass. good. Okay. Uh, we're going to say this in a literary frame. What turns you on? The perfect sentence. Okay. I really like a really beautifully written sentence, whether it's written by me or someone else. And does it end with an exclamation point, a question mark, a period? I hate exclamation points, oh. generally. Oh, yeah. no. You must hate my text. Oh, no, no, no. In text, actually, in texts and, and emails, if you don't put exclamation points, I'm convinced you hate me. That's, you so I think it's very important that you use yeah. exclamation points in texts and messages. 
and multiple emojis. But in yeah. terms of like in actual literary writing, I hate an exclamation point on the page. But in te- you know, it's funny. Dry- you know Dryer's English? There's yeah, this book, Dryer's English, which is written by the copy chief of Random House. And it's hilarious and really fun. And I know that it's probably the dorkiest sentence I've ever said, that a book <laughs> about copy editing is really fun. But I swear, it's awesome. And in it, he talks about how much he hates exclamation points. So I tweeted at him recently about whether he felt it was OK to use exclamation points in text messages in novels, because mm-hmm. I do use oh, exclamation yeah. points there. And he agreed with me that that was the one exception where it's OK. Oh, I'm glad that he responded to you, too. that is my dorkiest story. I don't know. I think to, like, uh, grammar and literary nerds, they would be, like, like taking you out for drinks. Yeah, Yeah. that's a a pretty amazing response. Yeah. Um, Within seconds, he responded, which was awesome. Well, he was not busy then. I always, like, if somebody tweets right away or likes it right away, I'm like, they're bored. Um, Which is okay. They need a hobby other than Twitter. So do I, so I can't say anything. Um... In literary-wise, we're going to ask the opposite question. What turns you off? Uh, I guess I swear, wait, did we say that? Did I say what turns you off? Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait, I am I listening. can think of something else. Uh, you know what? I really don't like dumb characters in general. Oh, I agree. I, like, I, I feel like when you use lack of an intelligence to, as a motivation for a character, I find it really frustrating. I like there's one dumb character. I hate emotional manipulation. That's where they act like they're dumb, but they're really smart. Or like, I well, I hate that, but I also hate like sentimentality. Like if like they kill the kid on the first page, so you're crying, (laughs) and you think it's good because you're crying, but it's not good. They just kill the kid. Right. Of course you're just to get it out of the way. Yeah. That no offense, kids. That's not gonna happen. Yes. No. Of course not. Uh, What sound or noise do you love besides me clearing my throat? My kids' laughter. They have really great laughs. Good job, guys. And my husband, he's going to be so mad that I did this, but he laughs in his sleep, which, oh. is a, which is a detail I gave to the main character's boyfriend in my very first novel, and it's still one of my favorite sounds. Is it because you're having good dreams? Or are you just, he's, you know? I think he's just like not a neurotic Jew like me. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> um, so jealous. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? I don't like noise in general. I'm kind of an old lady about it. Like I really, one issue in my marriage is my husband likes to play music really, really loud. And hey, I, I have one of those. <laughs> I don't hate like it. Like I find it upset. It like stirs me up in an unpleasant yeah. way. And I hate, I really, really, truly despise it. And he doesn't understand that at all. I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to therapy at Skylight Books. <laughs> Um, I love when we all learn something new yes, about each yes. other, especially long-term We're very spouses. happy, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Just this one thing. Um, what is, well, you've already answered this one, but what is your favorite curse word? But I think we know what it is with yeah, the Yeah, I like the F word a yeah. lot. It's, it's useful. It is really, I really do. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Back up on that one. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh, I was a lawyer becoming a writer, so Definitely not that. Um, maybe therapist? <laughs> Julie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Clearly yes, I'm not and. Meant for that. No, yeah, no. I mean, that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. It would, I mean, you're just, not saying just you're doing it. Just be on my you're dreams, like, Kayla. Yeah, no, no. I, I didn't do the yes and. Oh my gosh, yes and. That's great. Yeah, sorry. I don't think I'm fit for much. I'm not really, like, oh. there, there aren't that many things that I'm good or, like, that good at that I can, I don't know what else I could do. I do mm-hmm. think I am good at seeing what's, I think I'd be a great editor. I oh, think yeah, I'm I've good at seeing that. what's wrong with other people's writing. I'm, I'm very nasty when I read other people's work. <laughs> I think my one, I don't think I'd be good at packaging it nicely to mm-hmm. people, so, which is why I couldn't be an editor. Right. But I think I can well. say, this is why this sucks. I think I'm really good at that's that. That's really useful. I it mean, is you useful, could right? Actually, yeah, it's a that's secret, a good it's side hustle. It's one of my hustle. secret superpowers. That, and also I could, I could run a bookstore. I, I'm really good at finding like the perfect book that you need to read. Ooh. Yeah. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, I, might I just, don't know if I can do it in front of a crowd. Just, no. Just. Well, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> just call on someone. What do you want? Um, what profession would you not, <coughs> excuse me, not like to do? And I guess it's law. Law. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I mean, there's some parts of the law that aren't terrible. Um, that I probably, if I had stayed in the law longer, I would have found and loved. Um, I would make a terrible teacher, and especially with little kids. Yeah. Like, 
I've been to my son's kindergarten classroom and volunteered for an hour, and I was very happy at the end to walk yeah. out. Did they ask you to leave? <laughs> no, they did not ask me to leave, but it was, I'm not good, again, I'm not good with noise and yeah. stimulate. It's oh, too much yeah, stimulation. Yeah, yeah. I am, I get overstimulated very easily, and so it was too much stimulation. And this question, uh, this is an odd question, but it's old-fashioned, and remember, James Lipton, 80s or 90s, uh, so we're going to go with it, but kind of pick your alternative of whatever you need. If heaven exists, or wherever, um, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Or, you know, gates that aren't pearly. <laughs> yeah, that was the alternative, and pearls aren't in right now, so... Actually, they are, but... Yeah. Oh, my God, this is so hard. Right? Do you want me to read it again? <laughs> my daughter's whispering, say pass. I feel like there must be something super clever to say. Um, one of my favorite movies is Defending Your Life. Oh, yeah. Have you seen a, that? Yeah, a long time ago. And one of the, the details of heaven is that you could eat whatever you want and not gain any weight, which always appealed to me. But I feel like I can come up with a much better answer to that because it's ridiculous. Um, I'm thinking about something with hot men, but my kids are in the front row. Um, pass. Oh, right. pa pass. <laughs> oh, I mean, that would be a great response. You show up at the pearly gates and you're like, pass. Yeah. Like, this is not for me. Um, but thanks anyway, guys. Um, so with all of that and with me bugging Julie for the last half hour or whatever it was, um, I would love if anyone has any cues they would like her to A, she will um, do a question and answer with you. And... Um, yeah. So we're gonna, any questions? Any questions? Oh, Lily, you have a question. Yeah. Of course you can hug me, sweet pea. <laughs> okay, I don't want to say, like, maybe. No, yeah, no. I feel like she was a plant. Someone yeah. must. <laughs> Amina. Um, what are you most proud of in what you did with this book? If. If this book gets into the hands that I want it to get into, I'll be really proud if I can teach kids about 9-11. I, re I think it's, I really truly believe it's important for them to understand what happened and that it's still happening and that people are still dying um, and that we need to fund healthcare. And I, I've, I'd like it bumped up the priority list of things we're fighting about um, and fighting for. And so if, if there was a way for this book to, you know, trickle into schools, which is what I'm hoping will happen, that would, that would be really satisfying. It's a really good question. I always feel like, after I write a book, it occurs to me why I wrote that particular book. By the way, this is Carrie, who wrote a beautiful book called The First Time She Drowned. It's a YA novel, and it's gorgeous. Um, anyhow, I feel like every book, there's a reason. Like my second book, After You, is about a woman who moves to London after her best friend is murdered, and she literally steps into the life of her best friend. And it's about how well do we know the people we love. Wrote the book, had no idea why I wanted to think about that question. Years later, it occurred to me, I wrote that book when my husband proposed to me. And I, when he proposed to me, even though we had dated for like eight years and had lived together for seven of them, I freaked out about how well we knew, actually knew each other. I'd call him up and be like, what'd you eat for lunch? Who was your second grade teacher? What is your favorite color? I need to know things. Um, and so sometimes only later do I understand why I wrote a book. With What to Say Next, there's two characters who connect at a lunch table. Indy and I met at a lunch table, and I didn't notice that until I was on a panel two years <laughs> after the book was out. So I have no idea why I wrote this book, I, and I also have no doubt that in a year that answer will be very clear to me. That's a good question. I hate writing multiple perspectives, and I keep doing it, <laughs> and I don't know why. The current book I'm writing is only one perspective, but it's two time periods, which also, why? why <laughs> like, why am I making, writing is really, really hard. Why would I make it harder for myself? This book originally, I tried really hard not to do two perspectives. It was originally one perspective, and then the other side of the story was told through emails and notes and newspaper articles that I was trying to be really clever and it just didn't work. I, he need, the character needed a voice. 
And once I nailed his voice, that made the book infinitely better. Um, but I, I tried really, really hard not to have to do it. Really, like really, really, really hard. <laughs> and it didn't work. The next question that's asked gets a surprise. Yes. Uh, not from. We, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying the creepy. Yeah, no. We, we have no. prizes. Let's, let's have just say prizes. we have prizes. Yeah. <laughs> you get a surprise. But the rule is it can't be someone who already knows Julie. Oh. No, which is not saying that anyone who asks does, but it's ever you know her because you're the daughter. Oh, I feel like that's so hard. I know. <gasps> yes. Can I repeat that question for everyone? Yeah. The question was, how did you know you were an author? How did you decide to pursue it? I didn't know I was an author. So I was a lawyer, and as part of a New Year's resolution, I quit my job, this was about 12 years ago, to write my first book. And the idea wasn't to become an author. The idea was to write a book. It was something on my bucket list that I wanted to do before I died. And I just felt like this was the time to do it while I figured out what kind of lawyer I wanted to be. I didn't, I had an idea. I had taken a, like, a workshop at UCLA to sort of form an idea. And then I ended up taking classes at UCLA while I wrote my first book. And my teacher is here. And some people from that class are here, which is amazing. Hi. <laughs> um, so that helped. Um, but when I sat down to write, it was like January 2nd. And by, I'd say, January 10th, it occurred to me. I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And then it was a, I didn't know if I actually could do it for my life, but it, it felt natural and organic in a way nothing had ever done for me before. And then I got super lucky. And so then, it, then I actually turned from a writer to an author. And I don't think there's a huge difference between being an author and a writer, except for the fact that you have a book deal. So you're no different a writer before and after. I just, and that's just a matter of a lot of luck and perseverance. And I got super lucky, like ridiculously lucky. And so that's how I transitioned to actually being an author. But the moment of turning into a writer was when I quit my job and just tried this thing. And I didn't study English in college. I was a political science, philosophy, economics major. So it was sort of this really <laughs> weird thing I decided to do. And everyone was sort of like, you're going to write a book? Like, what? And, yeah. And I had a really great job that I quit. My dad was a little bit freaked out, I think. Um, but it worked out. And uh, we will give you your prize, and also we can take a picture of you two together with the prize yes. afterwards, if it's okay. All right. Okay. Um, I think we have two more prizes we yeah. need to give out. So two yeah. more questions. And then you, we can, I can know you. It does, I don't have yeah. to not know you for these. You can even really like Julie. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. It did. That was the book, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's a totally ridiculous story. And sometimes I hesitate to tell it because it makes it sound too easy and it's obnoxious. And it is obnoxiously easy. I, for the record, I've had some really hard years since then and, some, and major rejection and books that, you know, I spent two years of my life that live in a drawer. Um, after my daughter was born, I wrote a book that is still under contract with Random House, actually. And it just wasn't good enough. Like, I, I worked on it and I worked on it and I just felt like it was competent, but it was not the sort of book you'd be like, you have to read this. And I was at a stage in my career where it didn't make sense to ever put out a book that was going to, you know, tank my audience, right? I mean, you're never at a stage where it makes sense to put out that book, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I was particularly not at a stage when I should put out that book. So it, it, I have had the tough moments, but my beginning was sort of a ridiculous stars aligning in a magical way that doesn't happen. And actually, when people say to me, should I quit my job to write a book? And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, that's sort of the stupidest thing I ever did. It just turned out to be the best thing. What, do you, what year was that? Or around? Do you know? I mean. 06, 07. Okay. Not, not as like, what's your cred? I'm just like <laughs> yeah, curious. Yeah, 06, like, 07. 06, yeah. 07, so it's been 12 years. Do you do one more question? Yeah. Hi, Angela.
is the question how do you take something you've written and get it published, or is the question like how do you get started writing on the project that you should be working on as a writer? Okay. Yeah, I, I had always wanted to write a book. And so I set out, I set out to write a novel and I took novel writing courses for that ex express purpose. But maybe what you wanna write is memoir or a personal essay or, I mean, there's a million categories of writing. Whatever it is you do wanna write, I would read the crap out of it and read everything out there that does it and does it well and also does it not so well and look at why it's not doing, why, why it works and why it doesn't. I think reading widely in what you're doing is really important. I think there comes a point when you have to stop reading in what you're doing. Like right now I'm not reading any YA, um, purely because I'm in the drafting process. But as you're gearing up to become a writer, I think it's super, super important because you learn the pitfalls, you learn, um, the expectations, and if you're gonna if you're gonna subvert the expectations, you want to do it intentionally, not accidentally. Um, any other? Do you have any other advice, Kayla? I would add on to that um, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or about noodles, which <laughs> Angela has great taste in food. Um, I, I think that it, sometimes that we get the idea of we want to write a book or we want to write a play or a movie or whatever, but we don't have the story. So what, why then? Why put yourself through it? Like, wait until you have the story. Because once you have the story, then, um, not saying you have to wait forever to have an idea. But, like, if, if something calls you as a story or something you want to explore or something that you have to dissect, you might have your story right there. Um, but, it, but kind of being nebulous, because it is a long process. I, sometimes I say it's hard. Sometimes I say it's just a long process. And you ha it's like being a marathon runner when you don't know how to run. And you just you, you keep going, you keep going, keep going. But if that story is bugging you and you can't get out of your mind, you keep going on it. And so maybe it's like writing around what you are writing right now and then maybe seeing if there, a story jumps out at you. You know, because sometimes that can... Oh, yeah. Do, you're I live down welcome. the block. You can come over, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I would add two quick things to that. I think sometimes, you, at least for me, I get a physical feeling when I'm onto the right idea, mm -hmm. right? I literally get a chill where I'm like this. I can feel it in my body that this is the right. Well, that's it. That's, that's, that's yeah. the magic. And I also would add that it's awesome that you're writing just to write because that's the best part of the process. You know, it's really fun to be here and to talk and but the part that I love about what I do is the time I'm alone in a room with my laptop and I'm struggling with a sentence. That's where it's mm -hmm. fun. That's, 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 the true, that's the true joy. This scares the shit out of me, the, the crap out of me. She did say backstage, I'm not, I'm not outing you at all, but she said, people came. <laughs> I was like, people oh, came, yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, people are gonna show up. Um, this is the scary part. It's so scary. Yeah. Are we done the hard part. I think we're done. <laughs> Does anyone have one last question or anything? Because if not, there are wine, there are cookies, there is water. For and the people who won prizes, we have prizes. We have yes. Kayla's books, my and books, books, and a night's day camp hat. Yeah, the hat's really cute. You oh, should do a model. And a for when we do the signing, I do have magnetic picture frames to give out for the first 10 people who I do not know. I've never had a meal. If it's someone I haven't had a meal or a drink with, you get a picture frame. Um, but before we wrap up, I love to do this because it always makes me really happy. Can I take a group photo of all of you? Um, no. You don't you don't have to squeeze in, but if you want to squeeze in, squeeze You're in. You're like my social you media manager. I'm I love you. I'm very good at this. No, I'm, I, um, but can you stand right in oh, front? Sure. Okay. And if you have a book. Yeah, if you have a, Julie's newest book or any of her books with you for signature, please. Do you all want to get in the picture? Do you want to come get in the picture? Okay, you don't have to. You don't have to. No pressure. Anybody, anybody who doesn't want to be in the picture doesn't have to. Do you want me to take it? Oh, sure. Okay. I think. I'm going to get up on the stairs really quick. for coming. Thank you, Skylight Books. Um, Skylight, we love you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.